names like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome, everybody, back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, as always, joined by Harrison Fagan. Harrison, I have uh, I have a complaint, and I'm sure you're going to know what I'm going to complain about. Uh, are you ready for this? Uh, I actually am not sure that I know what you're going to complain about. I just complained about it on Twitter. So, look, the, I, I sit down at my computer, and last night after wrapping up uh, the lowdown, I had meant to charge my mouse, right? And if I charge my mouse when I'm not using the computer, or if I remember to do that when I get up, it's no big deal, right? I sit back down, mouse is fully charged, and I'm ready to go about my day. Problem is, I can be absent-minded. So I get up, and I I had forgotten to charge my mic or my mouse, and as soon as I sit down, my computer reminds me, hey, your mouse is at 2%. You need to charge your mouse or it's going to die. And for most companies with like any kind of design sense, that wouldn't be a problem. You just put the mouse, like you, you, you change the battery. If it's a battery driven thing, you plug it in and you're still able to use your mouse. Uh, no, Apple decided to put their charging port on their new mouse underneath the mouse. Like I just like I cannot truly- move it just like a truly astoundingly bad design decision like, <laughs> from a company that usually makes like pretty sleek functional stuff yeah I would say. and like i understand like they want the mouse to like you don't want like a giant hole in it like it looks sleeker if it's all like one thing or whatever but also like people have to use them it's not just about how it looks so yeah that is you showed me that and i was like wow that is one of the worst you know, like, like they clearly, Apple made some, like, Apple clearly made some cutbacks on the design <laughs> side and the, like, uh, like the, uh, like, uh, occupational therapy in terms of, like, the people who, yeah. you know, like, look at this Logistics. stuff and be like, how do humans practicality devices? Yeah. 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 Well, it's like, <sighs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm in awe because, all right. When they made when they when they made the the most recent phone or maybe it was a couple phones ago they changed the headphone port in it because the phone was so narrow that it needed a different um, port and it, it, it needed to be the, the lightning cord or whatever it also generated revenue because people had to go out and either buy adapters or they had to go out and and uh, buy headphones that would have that thing or they would buy the airpods right? So like you could understand like where in terms of the design with the phone where their heads were at. But on this, it's the same lightning cord. It's the same like <laughs> so it's like it, it, it they don't generate any revenue by this. It is just I- impractical. It is just yeah. stupid. <laughs> like you could say like all right, you don't want you don't want to have like the the whole showing on the mouse or whatever, but like it Every other device has a hole showing. You just, 
you have to wonder if Apple is starting to be beset by problems where, like, you know, when you continue to empower people that were successful before but haven't really put in any type of, mm. you know, like, work in yeah. in the modern way that things are designed, mm -hmm. that maybe, like, these are the types of oversights that happen when there's not enough consideration given to, like, looking forward and people who are involved in using this stuff every day. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're probably having some executives that don't use a mouse in their everyday life. Like, they're just, you know, or, like, designers that they're just at their sketch pads. Like, they yeah. don't use, you know, iPads for this stuff or whatever. <laughs> they don't use a mouse in their day-to-day yeah. -day life. They're using the little touchpad on the laptop. So they're like, oh, they, you know, this is fine. I haven't thought about this because yeah. I am not involved in it day-to-day. I picture some like some CEO of like Radio Shack, right? Some failed business somewhere else who hasn't been relevant in like say 11 years um, comes back to Apple and says, well, everything's wireless now. You never need to plug anything in and forgot that, oh, actually you do need to charge things still, even if they are wireless. So therefore, this design doesn't make any sense. And yet it's too late now. You can't fix it because, you know, fixing this thing at this point would mean sending out all new mouses to people, which might cost you a ton of assets that you need to use, say, in 2025 or maybe in like 2027. Um, yeah. and, and it's really difficult for... 2029, maybe. Yeah, you know. it's really difficult to... to plan as an organization with that type of with your hands tied your hands your hands tied behind your back uh to that extent yeah it's like apple is trying to clearly build towards the future as well and focus on that but you already made this like kind of win now decision on these mice you're like this is the hottest new mouse this is what's going to lead us kind of back to computer dominance and mm -hmm. it turns out you know it didn't fit that well you know <laughs> It, <laughs> should we just do this the whole show yeah the whole show just uh, <laughs> apple lakers comparisons um as i'm sure you guys were figuring out we were like you're saying making an apple lakers comparison here um it's like does Mom steve jobs have up apple does does steve jobs have children i'm sure he did i'm sure he has kids I think Apple just maybe didn't want to pay the luxury tax to keep their most imp their most valuable designers, and we're <laughs> they just had, like, no, we can have somebody else do that. They job, had somebody you know? in charge of log logistics, yeah, of like of of practical Taking design care of the little things, you know. <laughs> and that person had like a super high plus minus, yeah, and they, they were got just a like job offer from Android, <laughs> and you know the Lakers just sorry Apple just didn't want yeah. to match it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had they had this up and coming practical designer yeah. who uh you know looked like he had like be... one good meeting and a meet he had one good idea <laughs> yeah, and a meeting one great idea and they're like okay we're doubling down on this guy yeah the airpods were originally going to be called earpods and it was yeah. his idea to be like no air oh all right this guy's good this yeah. guy we got to keep this guy forever he sh he's shown promise <laughs> um all right so we we do have a lot to get to today it's really, it's really rare. You might you not and assume I... that based on the fact that we spent seven minutes to start this show talking about well, Apple. We were still kind of sort of talking about the Lakers. We yeah, still, true. yeah. I, I think people got it. I think they'll vibe with us. Yeah. So, uh, there's usually 
the Lakers aren't playing. It's May 5th. Um, and, and usually when you and I sit down, the first thing we say to each other is like, what do we talk about? Um, that is not the case today. There are two pretty big stories that, uh, Silver Screen has already written about. I think I, I'm going to try to, I have to unplug my mic or my mouse. I have to go over here and scroll really quickly before my mouse dies. I, I think by the time this is up, we will have written about both. I know one of them is still in progress. All right. So the one that is is written about right now is that Phil Jackson uh, doesn't want to coach the Lakers, but there are some kind of around the Lakers who aren't thrilled that Jeannie Buss is consulting him. Uh, so we have to discuss that. And the other one there's that... just like a rich number of possibilities for who that th- th- those people could be. <laughs> hey, Chris Paul played really well last night. Did you did you watch that? I did. I did catch that. Yeah. 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 Um, the other one that I wanted to talk about was kind of one of those throwaway like pseudo reports that reporters will, will sometimes do. But Dan Wojcicki said that in talking to some scouts and people around the league, uh, that not every team would line up to trade for LeBron James. That's kind of fascinating. Is there any? Is there a third one that you can think of? Uh, I mean, I mean, there was like little stuff that I think that we haven't necessarily uh, discussed on the feed. There was like, you know, Phil Handy wants to be a head oh, coach. Um, yeah. You know, I think you discussed that briefly on the lowdown. There's, um, and... there's the uh, the quote that came out here from The Athletic. Uh, there's a strong sense that it was on Frank Vogel to make the Russell Westbrook experiment work. And the fact that it didn't lead to questions about whether Westbrook had been put in a position to succeed. So now, I mean, the front office has spent all year blaming LeBron and Clutch for Russell Westbrook. Now they're blaming uh, Russell Westbrook on Frank Vogel or it not working on Frank Vogel. So there's a lot that we have to get to. What do you want to jump yeah. on first? Uh, you know, uh, let's talk about the Phil stuff because I feel like this is something <laughs> Andy? That you and I. <laughs> Good distinction. No, uh, yeah. Phil Jackson. Uh, I, I feel like this is something that you and I may disagree a little bit on, which usually makes for, you know, our better podcasts. And also, like, it, it's, you know, this is the thing that beyond our Apple, you know, your Apple complaints, I think people are most interested in when they tune into a Lakers podcast. After the Apple complaints, obviously, because that's more <laughs> relatable to everyone. Um, um, what, why, why would you and I disagree on that, though? Like, why would... What's there to disagree about? I don't know. I feel like I, I'm, I'm assuming you have whatever, like the mo- the strongest, angriest <laughs> take in reaction to this. I'm in is, I'm a pretty bad is, mood today. I, I can't yeah, lie. You know, and, and not just because of Apple. You know, you wake up to this and then your mic breaks. Your, your, not your mic, your mouse breaks. And yeah, I mean, I can understand why you're in a bad mood. But I mean, just in general, you are... You know, you're sort of like Lakers skip Bayless and that, you know, you have this ability to just get angry about even like, I think sometimes semi innocuous things. This is less innocuous. This is notable. But um, I'm just assuming that you're like really angry about it. And I think I'm a little bit more kind of zen. I don't know if I'm necessarily angry in that, like, I'm already dead inside, so I can't get any (laughs) angrier. But like, uh, look. I, I recorded a lowdown earlier in the week about how like Phil Jackson kind of shows a lack of diversity with the Lakers, right? And how basically everybody in official positions within the Lakers is a white dude, right? And then you have Jeannie Buss, who is the uh, owner, and you have Linda Rambis, who is uh, what is a special 
executive Director or exec- of special projects. There you go. So, um, but still, like, not very much melanin in the Lakers organization right now. And, and like, it's not just, like, people, I think, jumped immediately to the race aspect of it, but it's a lack of background, like, a lack of experiences. The, the diversity here in experiences is, is just not present. It's all, like, beyond, you know, the, I, I think when a lot of people hear the term diversity, like, they just think about skin color and yeah. things like that. But, like, I think the point that you also, I, I think, most correctly pointed out in sort of your lowdown discussion was the lack of diversity in just, like, approaches and thought. This is just, like, a lot of people who... You know, sort of like the people that we were talking about at Apple, like were really successful, um, yeah. you know, like 30 years ago in a mm-hmm. way or not 30, you know, it's some to varying degrees, but like they were successful at in least 10 years ago of basketball and the sport, the way that the that teams are run. A lot of this stuff has changed a lot from when these people had their success, you know, like Kurt Rambis has not had success in really any basketball endeavor since you know his playing days i guess i mean i guess like he was in a, a successful assistant coach with the lakers so yeah you know. like in in terms of projects he's led he's never had success yeah he's like you know he's been a successful contributor to group projects around the league <laughs> you know yeah 10 to 20 years 10 20 30 years ago but not a guy who has had a ton of success as, very good you know, at like, bringing like plates to parties napkins <laughs> napkins cups um, He's, if you need plastic where kurt rambis is your guy again like phil you know i i think i i don't know that anyone can even argue that is not like the greatest coach of all time when you look at in terms of resume and things like that one of the most successful basketball figures ever which is why you know to sort of take this back to him consulting on the lakers on its face i don't really have yeah, a I problem with phil jackson consulting and also just like on a human level of course genie bus is going to we've talked about this before yeah. people go to people that they are close with and they trust when they want you know to uh, bounce ideas off of someone or they want feedback and so you know phil is extremely qualified i think to just in generalities discuss and give some input on what he feels like makes a successful coach for a superstar type team Mm -hmm. you know i I don't think that that is outlandish and also you know the thing that people have to remember and uh dr brar is actually working on a video on this for silver screen and roll for tomorrow is you know like phil phil was pushing for tyron lu during the last coaching search mm-hmm. he and he ultimately was also an advocate of vogels and so this is someone who you know he wanted steve kerr in new york before uh before kerr ended up taking the warriors job like this is a guy who he hired is- Derek fisher who's been really good at everything that he has done okay i'm not saying he's be- no one bats 100 on hiring <laughs> coaches the point is is that this guy, you know, has an area, an, an expertise. Yeah, in this for area. sure. I don't have really have any issue with him being on the coaching search. The reports today are sort of that maybe there are some people who don't feel that way. And so I feel like that is something that is obviously notable because like it's one thing for you or I to be like, you know, Phil consulting on the coaching search, depending on how involved he is or like what he's trying to push or whatever, you know, until we hear that he's like, you know what? I think Kurt is the only one who can lead this team back to prominence on the side. Yeah, he's had like, good ideas. Like it, it, it's not like, remember when Kurt came in and there was like 
Kurt really wants DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis out there at the same yeah, time. Yeah, like at that point, once you're hearing the specific <laughs> ideas and they're horrible, then it's like, yeah, you know, maybe this is not the guy that right. you should be listening to. But until we hear like Phil Jackson is, you know, like Phil actually thinks that like Anthony Davis should be playing small forward, you know, and that, that, yeah. that it, you know, until we start hearing stuff like that, then I'm not that concerned about it. But the notable thing to me in the wake of today's reports is, is that, that somebody you know, is. There, there are some powerful people around the Lakers yeah. <laughs> that are not that thrilled about this. And it's just, it's really hard to guess who that might be. I actually, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like uh, in, in my blog on this very topic, you know, I, I thought that there was some notable context that maybe we can bring to this discussion yeah. uh, that, you know, Amick specifically, Sam Amick, who had this report, said there are powerful people close to the Lakers who aren't thrilled with the reality that Jackson's voice is being taken into account when he has no formal position with the franchise. Now, I'm just going to skip over the irony of powerful people close to the Lakers <laughs> being <laughs> upset that someone else without a, an official position, yeah. <laughs> you know, is having input on things. <laughs> just going to gloss right over that and move past it. Um you know, I, I think some other things that we can take into account here is that when Amick was talking about his report last month that LeBron would be enthused about Mark Jackson being the head coach, he said that this was relayed to him by someone familiar with James, Anthony Davis, and other players thinking. Now, who could that person be? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, but just looking at the Lakers roster, four of the seven current players potentially under contract next year are clutch clients. Hmm. Uh, so that's somewhat notable uh and in something that is probably another coincidence uh amic was the reporter clutch sports ceo and powerful person close to the lakers rich paul went on le record with to dispute that lebron and the franchise had issues oh so, really huh. yeah that's interesting and then you know <laughs> We know that LeBron and Maverick Carter and other members of LeBron's camp have taken issue with Phil Jackson in the past, most notably over his use of posse. the word posse to describe mm -hmm. them. Uh, totally fair grievance, I think, to uh, fire at Phil. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's just hard to guess who these powerful Lakers adjacent figures who aren't happy about Phil unofficially consulting might be. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine, Anthony. The key here being obviously around the Lakers, right? Because it would be really funny if there was, if it was like, there's some grumblings from within the Lakers about Phil Jackson showing up. And it's just like Rob Palenka saying like, why am I hired? Why? What am I supposed to do? Everybody what am I here for? What to do? <laughs> My office keeps shrinking. I don't even know how that happened. He's just yeah, sitting down there. He's sitting down Phil there with his red stapler. Rob's in like a cubicle in the corner <laughs> yeah. with like the Lakers digital media team. Like, Rob hasn't been paid in like six months. <laughs> they just can't figure out where his checks are going. They're like, Rob, just don't, again, don't cash it yet. Okay. We're yeah. good. We're good for it. Just give us another month. We need, yeah. uh, we need, we're trying, you know. we're changing banks. There's money yeah. in the, you know, the whole thing. But yeah. I, so around the Lakers makes it like impossible not to figure out who this person might be or who these again, people might be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, who is to say, Anthony, we don't know, yeah. but. It's pretty and easy Sam, to take like, a couple I, guesses at who this might be. Yeah, I know. I know reporters get really upset when people kind of guess who the sourcing is. But like, if it's this, is if it's this obvious, like it, Sam, if you're listening, I'm sorry. It's kind of hard not to come to the conclusion <laughs> of who, that this might be LeBron and his camp. You know, 
Well, like it's just there's just so many boxes that, that, that are is, checked is off. Where this is coming from? Somebody who was like Phil Jackson, you know, was pissed off LeBron James in a very public way for the way that he kind of condescending condescendingly re- referenced uh, Rich Paul and Maverick yeah. Carter specifically. Um, yeah, I would imagine that that this is this probably pisses off those people. And look, this is something that you and I have talked about basically throughout the season and to this point is this kind of land battle going on within the Lakers. Right. And I know, like, I know we aren't supposed to use war analogies in sports or whatever, but like, I don't know what else to call it. It, 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 it's a lot of people vying for, for political power within the Lakers. It's palace intrigue. It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's political it, maneuvering and, you know, right. yeah, it's, it's people trying to consolidate power. Yeah, and and look, the two, you know, interested parties here are the Lakers, right? And the people who have historically been tied to the Lakers and Clutch. And, uh, you know, the Lakers, I think, see the end of their relationship with LeBron coming to a close. And they, I think, are kind of trying to prepare themselves for the post-Clutch era, too. And or or in at least at the very least, I don't think they'll ever cut ties completely with Clutch. I think it's impossible because the NBA world is just such a small universe. But at the very least, you're talking about like Rich Paul not having an allotted number of Clutch clients on the Lakers at any given time, right? That like moving forward, if it was a situation between. Uh, you know, like we saw with Taylor Horton Tucker and with Alex Caruso, where a reason, not the, but a reason why Taylor Horton Tucker was kept and Alex Caruso is now on the Chicago Bulls was because of Taylor being a clutch client. Like stuff like that, I think is going to start coming to a close, but you can't just arrive at that point. That's the kind of thing that is a process that takes place over, over years and that's why it's kind of interesting here that Genie seems to be circling the wagons, regardless of what Clutch seems to think about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think that this is, you know, a little bit of a signal of all of that kind of stuff that you're mentioning. That you know, like they can be upset about it, but clearly, you know, if we're connecting the dots between all of these various reports that we've gotten this off season of the Lakers' thought process and who they're blaming for things and whatever, like you know, we're getting continuing leaks that the Lakers are like, ah, oh, those dastardly super superstars. They forced yeah. us to trade for Russell right. Westbrook, and so what are they going to do? They're turning, they're turning inward, and they're like, all right, well, we got to take some of this power back and you know we you know this very qualified mu- group of people have to make these decisions now <laughs> that yeah. clearly would never have traded for russell westbrook obviously um yeah. you know or at least that's what they want us to believe um and is it possible to turn any more inward like at what point do they just start turning like inside out like is like they keep circling the wagons. It's like that scene in, Anthony, in Blazing Saddles where it's just a single wagon. Consultant. It's always possible to turn more in. Magic Johnson made a public reappearance. It's like, oh, yeah, he's always someone that we go and consult to. It's That's always true. possible for this team to turn more inward. Yeah. I I, I just I, I find myself kind of marveling at their ability to just keep retreading these same people who keep making these same mistakes. And look again, like you said, I'm excited for like the return of Mitch Kupchak when like uh, when the if he and the Hornets part ways, like you know, which might happen by the way. 
Yeah. It might have like the, the his contract is up at the end of the NBA calendar year. So Phil, it's always a great time when you're going through a coaching search with a GM who does not know if they're going to be there in like a month. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Genie, hey, look, Genie and Rob Michael are very close is all I'm saying. Yeah. Like yeah. Genie and Michael get along really, really well. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, the other thing here though, is like, we do have to ask the question if bringing Phil back pisses off your superstars, um, is it worth it? Is his input that important to you that you're willing to, to piss off? Like whoever, whoever Phil attaches his name to, that's probably going to limit the amount of buy-in that you're going to get from LeBron, right? Unless, unless it's somebody, unless it's somebody that LeBron already says I'm in on. Yes. And you know, who's one person that we know of that, you know, we've discussed has both clutch ties and Phil Jackson ties, Nick Nurse. Uh, yeah. And again, like, despite all the posturing from the Raptors this week, that screamed to me a franchise that was like, hey, if you want this guy, you're going to have to pay up for him because we like yeah. him. And we're not going to help you out in terms of like, we're not just going to like give our top five coach away to you for no reason. And, you know, I, I think you saw that in the way that Masai was like very clearly making fun of the Lakers for like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, keep dreaming. That is an executive who is extremely secure in their position. And probably, you know, internally, I would imagine is like, hey, you know, if you want to give us assets for this guy, I'm confident that I'm smart enough to find another good coach, but I'm not just going to give him to you. You know, like, yeah. and it's someone who is operating from a position of strength in that respect. But, you know, so if it's someone like Nick Nurse, where it's like they have the Phil sign off and they have the the clutch camp sign off, then, you know, or someone like Darvin Ham, like we don't, you know, we haven't heard anything about Phil and Darvin Ham, but, you know, there was a report from uh, Kevin Arnovitz that during the last coaching search, Darvin Ham was a sign off, was a candidate that had both cl that had clutch and LeBron sign off. Yeah. And so if Phil is like, yeah, you know, I think this guy, I like what I'm hearing. And, you know, so like I, my point is that I don't necessarily think sign off from Phil is like some death knell for a candidate where, you know, LeBron and AD are going to cut their nose off to spite their face just because they're yeah. and AD. We have no reason to believe like hates Phil or anything, <laughs> you know, like I don't. I don't honestly imagine that AD has all that strong of thought. I love the idea of AD being in on any of this stuff. Yeah, he's, you know, <laughs> it's like when, call, at, the, at the end of the season, Kyrie Irving was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to working with Kevin on, on this, this organization. Is, the, AD, and AD was I like, I can't wait to do the same thing. AD's and, ability to compartmental. This is a man who did not realize that he was traded to the Lakers until like four hours later because he was watching a movie in his hotel room and like would, couldn't pick up the phone from Rich Paul. So like, yeah, I don't imagine AD is like, like they all say that he's consulting and like, I I, I would imagine they have a separate group text without him where they talk about some. Of this well, it's stuff. like between, between the two of us, I am far more likely to send you like a Slack message at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock, right? When some like random idea occurs to me, I just picture LeBron is like that where he, he just like, he sends these, can you believe they're talking to Phil Jackson and AD just doesn't respond for like three yeah, hours? AD sorry, man. At 9 a.m. in the morning, he's like, oh, sorry, bro. Miss this. Uh, <laughs> the new Doctor Strange just dropped. I can't yeah. I can't talk right now. He's like, you know how much of a big movie buff I am, LeBron. Like, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I just. Sorry, man. I was playing GTA online. It was a real marathon session. I, you know. I had to shoot Steph Curry, you yeah. know. I... Again. <laughs> so I. I find I find this the all of this like very very funny but there are parts of it that 
you know, again, it, it, it matters that this is somebody who's standing throughout the league, by the way, like they're fil- clutch in these P and, and, and that camp, isn't the only group of people out there who probably aren't thrilled to see Phil Jackson walk down the hallway. Like he's pissed off a lot of people. And, and again, like the thing that I'm With always Lakers exceptionalism, Anthony, that's right. Well, like I, 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 the NBA is such a small world that like you have to have decent standing with the teams that you're going to be trying to making trades with. And you're going to be trying to, I I can't bring myself to care about that from a Phil perspective. Like until we hear that he's making the Russ trade calls, like I just don't, I don't think any team is going to be like, Oh, we don't want to work with you because you like are talking to Phil Jackson. No, but I, I, I don't think he goes that far, but I do think it's like, at some point you do need to send some outreach out. You do need to broaden your, your culture a little bit more. Cause like right now we know like it's, it's, it's definitively reported that Rob Palenka isn't the most popular person in the NBA. Um, I'm sure like Kurt Rambis you and the fact that's that why he keeps giving up first round picks for no reason and trades yeah. just to get teams to like him. <laughs> I keep inviting him to my birthday. And he just won't show up. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like I, Kurt Rambis, the fact that Kurt Rambis like, has Tommy, the, I'm going to give you an extra first in the Russ trade, but just like, can you just like answer my email sometimes? Yeah. Like, I, I want to be friends, you Dude, know? I, like, I sent you that killer meme the other day, and not even, even you, you didn't even give me a thumbs up emoji. Yeah, you like, didn't, you didn't even like like the, you didn't laugh at the picture. Like that, yeah. that's all it's all you have to do is hold your thumb down on the picture and hit the the laugh button. <laughs> <laughs> but like. I'm sure there are people throughout the league that like when Kurt Rambis comes up, they're like, I can't believe this MFR continues to have so much sway as one of the biggest failures in league history at multiple stops. And this guy, and so like, I'm, I'm, my point here is that like, at some point, the Lakers are going to have to do something outside their, their, their comfort zone. And by the Lakers, I mean, Jeannie Buss is going to have to do or talk to people outside her comfort zone. And, and like, yeah, like you said, bringing, talking to Phil Jackson, the greatest coach of all time about coaches makes total sense. I, I completely get it, but is, is that the only input that he's giving? Like, is he going to be around to see how that coach coaches? Is he going to be around, uh, as the Lakers chart their off season? And again, they have a GM, they have a vice president of basketball operations, (laughs) We don't know what he does. We don't know why he's there. So like, I, I, it, it's just, it's so hard to hold anybody accountable. And you have the, the uh, intra-league relationships that the Lakers have. And, and I get why they would talk to Phil, but at some point it's like, hey, it, stand on your own two feet. Like, be your own organization. Yeah. I, I just think this is like not a situation where that is my specific concern. I do agree that like long-term the process is not ideal and that they keep turning inward and all of these things like process wise, all of that stuff I think is not going to lead to the best results more often than not. But in this one specific case, I just can't get too worked up about it just because this is theoretically an area where again, we don't know how much influence Phil has. And theoretically, this is an area where he should have some degree of what he's talking about. And look like people learn from failures too. So he can look at Phil strikes you as somebody who learns from failures. I mean, at this stage of his life, I do. I do think at this stage of his life, 
I don't know, but I, I do think that there's probably a degree of if a candidate is like, if he's like, you know, that kind of reminds me of Derek Fisher, you know, <laughs> he's maybe not going to go with that guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's like a conscious thing where he's like, oh man, I really messed up. Wait, is that and, guy like, involved I have in predatory loans? Yeah. Stay away from that coach candidate. <laughs> yeah. And so like, you know, like a guy who was just fired, like maybe don't hide. So maybe that, maybe that gets them out of the running for doc. Like, you know, the whole like Hornacek thing. And he's like, you know, that guy just got fired. Like maybe we shouldn't just like hire him without yeah. like an off season to learn and, you know, get some experience under his belt. Like we've seen, you know, sometimes when these retread coaches work, it's because they've had a little bit of time to like consult with other teams, see how other teams do things, learn to reincorporate their approach. We just saw this with Frank Vogel, where mm -hmm. he was a guy who looked like legitimately like a bad coach who the game had possibly passed by in Orlando and then came in and did a pretty good job during year one with the Lakers, year two with the Lakers, did not adjust well to the third year roster. But I do think that when those retreads work out, it's because they've had some time off. So is that something Phil has learned? Well, again, we don't know. And it's yeah. kind of useless to speculate about. But I just say all this to say, I agree with you that in principle, continuing to turn insular is not great. But I think that like in this one case, until we hear how much like... I don't think that LeBron and AD are going to be like, oh, I'm not going to play hard for this coach just because Phil signed off on them. Like, I, I can get why, you know, maybe they're annoyed with this process. It right depends now. on the candidate. But if it ultimately leads to a candidate that they can get behind, I don't think that it's going to be like, oh, just because Phil consulted, I'm like mad now. Yeah. And look, it, you mentioned Doc Rivers. And if there's one coach that I think Phil Jackson wouldn't advise the Lakers to, to go out and hire, it's probably Doc Rivers. So that's a positive. Well, did you see there was earlier this week, there was like that leaked audio of like Phil, like saying in some like halftime, like uh, inside tracks or something like, yeah, they aren't going to adjust. This is the yeah. way they do things. So just uh -huh. keep attacking. So Phil knows the flaws. With you the don't Doc remember. I remember that happening live. The, the I do Lakers, not remember this live. Phil got that's really weird. angry that that, yeah. that that made its way out because he's like, <laughs> I think. God, I'd have to, I'd He's have like, to go back and find it. He already hates me. Like, no, 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 it wasn't even that. It was like it, this might force him to like adjust. <laughs> like oh, he might, yeah. he might start adjusting after I call him out for not adjusting. It was, yeah. it, it was a great Phil Jackson. And then quote. he didn't. So you know, Phil was, well, then, yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the next little tidbit. See, I. I <laughs> I'm trying, I move my hand to where my mouse should be. My mouse is on the other side of the desk, charging because Apple, because Tail and Horton Apple designed this. Oh my god, <laughs> this mouse. Uh, no, I um, mean I think the next. I'm assuming the next thing you wanted to discuss was the Wiki report that you know there are executives who don't necessarily. I actually, I actually, we'll do that one last. I want to okay. do the Russ one. I want to do the, the Russ one um, again from Amex saying that, you know, quote, there was a strong sense that it was on Frank Vogel to make the Russell Westbrook experiment work. And the fact that it didn't led to questions about whether Westbrook had been put in a position to succeed. Here's my thing on, <laughs> on, on that report. And, you know, as reporters, you're only, you can only report what, your source says to you, right? My thing is, like at some point, I would like to know if there's a follow-up, if there's an opportunity for a follow-up question to to be asked. Because uh, I think generally, when you're reporting things anonymously, you're generally this is a conversation that you're having. It's not yeah. like some, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but like, you get this quote, you get this, you get not quote, but like you get the source saying this thing, and I. Uh, 
a simple follow-up here is what exactly could Frank have done to make this work? What is it, what is it that people uh, from the Lakers think that Frank wasn't doing that didn't put Russell Westbrook in a position, uh, a position to succeed? Because I've racked my brain, man. And given the way that Russell Westbrook played defensively, I just don't know if there's anything that could have been done, um, especially given the way that Anthony Davis shot the ball this year. I don't think there was anything that could have been done that Russell Westbrook succeeds with the Lakers with. Yeah, so to me, this is sort of nonsensical and like a continuing trend of the Lakers trying to blame other people for their own failures. Like we've had the repeated like, oh, this is Clutch's fault. They made us trade for him. And then like, oh, no, actually, it's Frank's fault. He didn't use him right. But then, you know, we also like we're not stupid. Like we got <laughs> these reports during yeah. the middle of the season that the front office actually like wanted to see Frank Vogel to bench Russ. And so yeah. it's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like here's the thing. I mean, it always seems to be pointed out that sources can be anybody from within the organization. So like whoever wanted Russ benched in the first place doesn't necessarily have to be. Who, yeah. Yeah. So like that's the obvious disclaimer, but again, like all it all it comes down to, like you're saying, Harrison, on a macro sense, is the Lakers just continually go back to the well of Russ isn't our fault. Russ, I we didn't want to trade for him, but those dastardly superstars, those those damn clutch people, forced us uh, to to make that call to the league office. Um, you know, and and like. The problem with with that is not only does it send a message out to everybody paying attention, because the, the first thing that everybody jumped to, the first kind of uh, the response that I saw, the most pervasive response to this report was, "Oh shit, they are they might not be able to trade Russ, right?" And so that, uh, yes, that is, I think where this comes from is yeah. this is to me screams public negotiating we are willing to bring this guy back we think he was used wrong you we aren't desperate to trade him at all don't you know forget all the <laughs> yeah. noise that you've been hearing it was on coaching that, like, we have to trade this guy because everything was so toxic we actually believe that mm -hmm. he was uh you know misused and we could bring him back and another coach can get more out of this guy like i, I just I don't know. Like, I, I understand that, like, Lakers people are probably pushing that. I just am sort of incredulous at that idea. Like, I do think that there are things that, like, there are ways that this team could have been optimized better. We criticized Vogel for this all yeah. year. Like, they, he, didn't, they he wasn't a perfect coach last year. Yeah, that's for there, sure. were, there were things that he could have done to use Russ better. But to me, this, like, th between this and the, re the report in the same story, you know, again, Sam Amick of The Athletic, you can go read it and check it out there. Like, the... And we've written, we're going to have written all this stuff up on the site, but in conjunction with the like, you know, Phil has actually been a fan of Russ for a long time. Uh, and it's known to be a fan like this to me screams like, yeah, you know, we might bring him back. So yeah. we're not desperate to trade him. You can't get both first round picks for, from us for trying to get off of him. You know, you're going to have to give us something in return. It's not just going to be a straight money saving salary dump. Like this is, this is public negotiations one-on-one to me now, like now, I think that it is worth, you know, discussing the idea of if they cannot find a good trade for him. Yeah. Are there coaches that could probably use him better? Are there ways that this team could have gone better and been optimized more? 
for sure. So I think that that's something that they should keep open as one of their options. And I sort of like, I buy the idea that they think that maybe another coach could have utilized Russ better, but I also don't think that it like that does not have me jumping to the conclusion of like, oh, they're definitely going to bring him back. And they just think that a new coach is going to fix everything and it's going to be fine. Like, I think maybe that's an option that's like, 10th on their list of possible rust scenarios of okay if we can't find a b c d e f trade then you know maybe we can bring him back and let's figure out a coach that we think can optimize him a little bit more because we don't want these other teams to just have us over a barrel but i i certainly do not buy that and, and this is not what amic was reporting but i don't buy that this is something that they're like seriously considering as a calculus in their next coach as of right now at least it's them putting a pillow on the barrel. Like you're still yeah. on the barrel, but you're you're trying to get a little more comfortable. Like, because yeah. every here's the thing: while you can say that Frank wasn't a perfect coach last year, which he wasn't, um, Russ clearly didn't like. He wasn't saying anything at his exit interviews that would indicate he wants to be back next year, or like, that he has any you know any willingness to change. Yeah, like you were joking. That also, that's the leak. When do we get the leak that LeBron, AD, and Russ had another dinner and like this time they figured it <laughs> yeah. out what everybody needs to do. Yeah. To, yeah. Well, and, and and like his his shots weren't just at Frank Vogel either. By the way, like no. they were they were at they were at. They were LeBron thinly veiled shots at LeBron and AD too. That's not a Frank Vogel basically problem. Basically called them liars. <laughs> so I don't. Here's that's that's where you could you could try to paint it as if like, oh, we'll bring him back. We'll do it. We're ready to. We have the culture. We can make this work. But everybody, it's it's like you you nailed it at the very beginning. We aren't dumb. NBA teams aren't dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, 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 they, if they think they can slide one by us, fine. You know, the vast majority of people who, who pay not full attention to this are going to miss things. But the people who <laughs> make decisions that have the gravity of trading for Russell Westbrook does, those people aren't going to sit there and, like, just ignore the exit interviews. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, is there, I, I do really want to try to figure out what could have been like, is, cause it, I don't think they're going to be able to trade them or if they are, it's going to be really painful. So is there anything here that can be done that makes Russ, if not like a good fit, but just better than last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that e either AD, you know, uh, playing center more often than he really had a chance to or really did yeah. during, you know, however you feel. I don't want to get into the whole, like, did AD want to play center this year or not debate thing again, because then we're mm -hmm. just going to get completely derailed. But, like, you know, if he there was a okay. situation where AD, you know, he comes back, he's ready to play center, they commit to that, he stays healthy, or... You know, if they are going to have a more traditional big man, they find one that at least has some semblance of shooting and can kind of yeah. space the floor for them a little. Like, I think that there are ways that they can optimize Russ better than they did this year, but there's like nothing in his approach, either publicly or behind the scenes, that leads me to believe that he's going to be like that it's going to be because he has committed to being this like new type of player that is going to adjust to do more of what the team needs from him. It would be more of the team is sort of building around to be able to better deal with his flaws and accentuate his strengths. 
Yeah, it both with coaching and roster construction. Russ really reminds me of uh of of Kareem at the beginning of of winning time where uh McKinney asks him, do I have that right? It is McKinney, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where McKinney asks him, "Hey man, we need you to buy into this approach. We need you to get out and run and all this." And Kareem says, "Look man, I'm going to get my 30. I'm going to get my 15." And you got to find a way to win with that kind of production. And then McKinney gets really angry at the end of the at the end of the game because he looks at the stat sheet and he says, "Damn it, asshole!" Exactly Kareem's production, <laughs> thirty and fifteen, yeah. yeah. And and Russ really kind of feels like that kind of a player. Where he's like, "Look, man, I'm going to get you my eighteen, seven, and seven, and you make do with the other shit. You, you figure out the rest of the guys around. Yeah, him. yeah, right, and." And if that is going to be the approach, which, like you said, he hasn't said or done anything that would indicate it isn't going and to be the And even if there were leaks this summer that it's like, yeah, Russ is like working on his corner three and like yeah. focused on defense. Like, I will believe it. I would get I bingo. See- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but like, if, if, if that's going to be his approach, like, there's only so much that can be done on the peripheries around him. Like, maybe maybe LeBron gets put in the pick and roll a little bit more. LeBron is the screener. Russ is a ball handler. And you just get the ball to LeBron going downhill against a, a, uh, a, a disadvantaged defense. Maybe that's how you get that working a little bit more. Maybe AD is the person who gets in the gym and he shoots better than 18% from three-point range. Um, and that opens up the, the game for him. Um, but in terms of like coaching, I just don't know how much a coach can impact a superstar who isn't really interested in being coached. And certainly not without the right lineups, like we sort of talked about. You know, yeah. like if if there are, you know, if the Lakers are able to acquire, like, let's say another wing for the mid-level, and I don't even know who that would be because there aren't that many on the market that are theoretically yeah. going to take the mid-level that look like they'd be extremely helpful players. But if they somehow find sort of like a wing-ish player and that can kind of make up for maybe you can hide Russ a little bit defensively. Maybe you can kind of work to kind of work around his weaknesses. And But I think it's less than the coach. It's going to come down more to a roster construction that better optimizes Russ rather than like, Oh, you know, like we need Trevor Ariza to be that wing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's going to happen. This and, if, time. and if Trevor Ariza is not available, then we're going to have to start Deandre Jordan. Like if those are your two options, there's yeah. only so much the coach could have done to accentuate Russ specifically. Now there's more Frank Vogel could have done, but it would have created other problems, especially yeah. when, you know, as we saw, Russ was like so non-committed to the defensive end and like clearly thought that he was above kind of any level of coaching or feedback from players, coaches, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Except for Brad Turner. Brad Turner, one, only guy that he wanted thoughts from on like the entire. So honestly, I think this is on Brad a little bit for not kind of. Maybe Brad's you know, the next head coach. There are worse options that have been presented. Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> I mean, Mike D'Antoni coached Russ once, like to some level of success. Well, that's what's kind of fun. Like you and I were joking about it in the Slack is that like if you were looking for a coach who could optimize a lineup with Russ, LeBron and AD. You do worse than Mike D'Antoni. You think Magic would actually burn the building to the ground if they hired <laughs> D'Antoni again? Look, Jeannie, if you're, if you're listening... Magic might, like, fight him during a game. Kurt, if you're listening, anybody, if you're listening, 
just for the pettiness alone, this would be an incredible move. Now, the problem is like like you have Phil Jackson, who like Mike D'Antoni was chosen over Phil Jackson. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that Phil just it a little less aggressively in Texas, like, hey, why don't you hire Mike D'Antoni? Seems like a pretty promising coach. <laughs> Sources. Phil Phil Phil's pushing for Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> All right, last last one that we have to get to, last report that we have to get to, is the one from Dan Wakey. He wrote in his newsletter. And again, it's like that kind of pseudo-reporting, right? Um, but I'll read it verbatim here. Quote, after conversations with some rival general managers and scouts around the NBA, the first thing to know is that if James were available via trade, and to be 100% clear, there are zero indications that is the case, is that it would it wouldn't be twenty nine other teams bidding on him? Um, all right, so there's a lot of double negatives and stuff in there, a lot of qualifiers, but I think. But the, Dan, it's worth noting before he was Lakers beat writer was uh, was the LA Times his national NBA guy. Like he has contacts yeah. throughout the league, and like he knows this stuff, and I think generally, Very well, genuinely, yeah. like tries to legitimately do this. And I think that we can kind of put this in conjunction with the Amic kind of tidbit, where you know he basically reported that if LeBron ultimately doesn't sign an extension with the Lakers, that they aren't going to consider trading him. So we should add that yeah. caveat uh, to this that like you know. All these, basically, no team is admitting that like they either want to trade for LeBron or want to trade LeBron. So, despite yeah. Stephen A. Smith like starting a whole should the Lakers trade LeBron news cycle yesterday, you know, like this is pro, this is not something that's going to happen. But it's still kind of notable. Yeah, I well, just think especially, about especially especially the part that they wouldn't trade him, you know, if he doesn't sign an extension, which like I wouldn't have expected them to, but it's sort of it's you know it's interesting to hear that sourced yeah i i find it fascinating though that like this is where and look a lot of teams have different reasons for why they wouldn't be bidding on lebron james like if you're if you're a small market do you want to trade for lebron james knowing that the minute he shows up he's going to be pushing to be moved to a bigger market like you that's think a, jordan would trade for him just to like just to like ruin his legacy like put like the worst supporting cast around him possible like yeah but then that might backfire and lebron drags that team to the playoffs and then michael just looks like an asshole yeah but, true um but like i i think like if you're so small markets you kind of have to take off of the board uh for that reason there are teams like Dan says in that in that newsletter, right? That there are teams right now that are competing because of young up and coming superstars that are you know taking that leap, right? The Lucas, the Jaws, um, and so on throughout the league. Uh, so those and and obviously you aren't going to be able to those those teams aren't going to trade that those players for LeBron. And in which case, if you aren't getting a really 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 good player back for LeBron then why are you trading him if you're the Lakers, right? So, uh, And also, th there's just the reality that LeBron's making $44 million. And so, of course, there's not going to be every single team mm -hmm. lining up to trade for that because that's a hard contract to trade for. Like Russ you, for LeBron, who says no? The Lakers were like, yeah, we did our Russ trade. We traded him for LeBron. He's <laughs> switching spots on the roster. Yeah, uh, they're, they're switching jersey numbers. LeBron's going to be number zero next year. Um I think I think when you're when you're looking at 
at these kinds of situations. And the point of Wojcicki's newsletter, to be absolutely clear here, is that like, yeah, you could say the Lakers should trade LeBron, but it's never that simple. And it's it's never happen. Yeah, it's never yeah. that simple. It's not going to happen. Um, it, we, you know, one of the things that that I keep on thinking is like, all right, yeah, you you say the Lakers should trade LeBron here. Okay, for what and for who and who's willing to give up a return that doesn't make the Lake like the Lakers are concerned about the optics of trading Russell Westbrook. How do you think they think about the optics of trading LeBron James if they aren't getting back an absolute superstar or in, in an absolute bevy of picks? So like. It's just it's just it's just not feasible to to trade this guy, and and the only circumstance under which you you do is if he asks for a trade, and in that instance would probably have already worked out the trade by himself, <laughs> right? Like he's probably already gone, spoken to the other team. Hey, this is what you got to give up for me. This Anthony, is what that I would be tampering, and we all know that, that never happens in the NBA. Good point, touche, yeah. touche. But like Rich Paul would have had conversations and say, Hey, this is what you well, can or get at least LeBron a powerful for. source close to the Lakers would have had conversations <laughs> around the Lakers. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we got all of it. I think yeah. we got all of it. Do you want to check back in on the bingo card? Yeah. So I was sort of scrolling through and la la those of you that listened to the show last week and the thank you all for the positive feedback. We had a lot of fun, I think, recording, you know, our hypothetical Lakers leak bingo. We have written down sort of all of our leak guesses, you mm -hmm. know, that uh, that we uh, predicted, you know, either seriously or jokingly or trying to figure out what was going to happen. And so, Anthony, to be honest, after scrolling through these, I'm not sure either of us get full credit for any like the closest I think that we came was my second one where I said Kurt Rambis and Phil Jackson are pushing hard for Nick Nurse, like as like a guess of a prediction or a leak that we'll get like we mm -hmm. Like, I'll, I, you know, we're not going to do half points, but I think I get half credit for that. But we aren't there yet. Like, we yeah. got to, you know, but for the rest of them, you know, we're not quite, uh, we, we haven't quite nailed any of them yet. Is the fact that they're bringing in Phil Jackson to do more of Rob Palenka's job kind of them in a way saying they're frustrated with Rob Palenka? You know, again, I think you maybe get half credit and so to <laughs> illustrate the point of the exercise. Like, you know, we, we, we got it a little, you know, we were close on some of these and mm -hmm. that's, that's worth something. But yeah, I think, I think before either of us start getting any like points here, uh, we, we got to wait till it's like a little closer to what we actually guess. Yeah. I, in hindsight, I probably should have taken the exercise a little bit more seriously. <laughs> no, <laughs> if really? I actually if I wanted to get some of these right. <laughs> I don't think Kurt Rambis is giving uh, advice to Kyrie Irving on his internet. Uh, but can, I, I, you know what? I, I'm going to say this. You get that. That's like a three pointer. If you get that one, all, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a generous, like I'm a fair competitor. You took, a, you took a real heat check. And so you deserve extra points for mm -hmm. like, if you get that one, right. Yeah. I, I, all right, cool. I'll take that then. I'll take it. Um, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers lounge. Uh, Again, the Lakers just refuse to be boring, refuse to be quiet. So there's always something for us to talk about. So I'm looking forward to next week talking about Taylor Horton Tucker still have not has not taken a dribble so far this offseason. I'm looking forward to, to getting to that with Harrison. Until then, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Harrison Fagan. This has been the Lakers. Fuck you, Apple.